Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. We want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps, or better yet, blaze your own trail. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers. It's Felicia Gopal here for the Career 100 Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast. This podcast series was created to expose our youth to different career opportunities. Today's guests work in a field that I had no knowledge of prior to starting to work in the financial services 18 years ago. And they're going to be sharing with you their pathway that led them to one of the top 100 careers of the decade, actuary. So if you wanted to learn more about the actuarial field, please stay tuned as my special guests, Jamala Murray and Monique Hacker, share a little bit. So let me tell you a little bit about Jamala. She is currently working with Genworth. She's been working there for the last seven years, spending most of her time working in the variable annuity pricing department. Prior to working at Genworth, she worked at Ernst & Young as well as New York Life in New York. She got her FSA designation in 2008, and she'll tell us a little bit more about what that means. In addition, we have another guest today. Her name is Monique Hacker. She currently works in the Tampa office of New York Life Insurance Company. She's an associate actuary where her primary responsibility is to price and develop products sold through New York Life operations in Tampa. Prior to working at New York Life, she worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers in Teaneck, and she may share a little bit of her information about that. Ladies, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's start with Jamala. As I said, I knew absolutely nothing about the actuarial profession prior to becoming a certified financial planner and joining the field about 18 years ago. So tell me a little bit about how you became an actuary. Okay, Felicia. I found out about the profession, I think, uh, my junior year of high school. Like many people, I was good at math and guidance counselors were leading me either towards engineering, accounting, or becoming a math teacher. And as great as all those professions are, none of them appealed to me and in, in my interest in mathematics. I was more interested in applying mathematics. Lucky for me, my mom actually had a friend who was an actuary. Not many people are lucky enough to have a friend as an actuary, so I think it's great that you're doing this podcast. And I had the opportunity to meet with him and have a conversation with him about what it takes to be an actuary, what he does on a day-to-day -day basis, and to really get an opportunity to shadow him. At that point in my education, there wasn't a lot about it, the technical details that I really understood, but I got a sense of what an actuary can contribute to an insurance company, and I thought it was a really positive contribution and something that's very different. The interesting thing that he had said to me at the time was that if I went to school and did an actuarial degree and decided I didn't want to become an actuary ultimately, it was still a good financial background where I could ultimately do something in finance even if I didn't go through the process and become a designated actuary. 
Well, you know, that is an unusual way, and it really kind of speaks to, as you said, the reason why this series exists. It's to expose our youth because, you know, my father was an accountant, has worked as an accountant for over 30 years, and I knew lots of accountants, and I was good with math, and that's why when I first graduated from college, I worked as an accountant, but I never knew anybody who was an actuary, and that's oftentimes the way that our youth get introduced to new career fields. Monique, did you have a similar experience, or something else happened? Well, to lead it's you somewhat to being similar in that I learned about being an actuary when I was still in high school. I believe I was 12 at the time, and my friend and I, We were just talking one day, and we both liked math, and we liked it because it was challenging. So neither of us wanted to go into research or teaching, which are professions that we thought if you liked math, that would be the path you would take. So we were both talking, and she's like, well, my cousin is an actuary. And I said, what? What is an actuary? And really, she didn't know what an actuary was. But she said, you know, she does make a lot of money. And I said, oh, so... That piqued my interest, and throughout college, I actually tried a lot of different things. I still liked math, but I had no idea what an actuary was. I knew what an accountant was. I knew what a lawyer was. So I tried business law. I tried accounting, and none of them really appealed to me. So towards my junior year, I said, well, let me try out this actuary thing. So I did, and I got a position straight out of college as an actuarial assistant, and the rest is history. Excellent, excellent. That's interesting that both of you had very similar backgrounds, that you had somebody who worked in that field or at least exposed you to that field, which was one of the things that even piqued your interest. Thank you very much for sharing that, ladies. So what do you guys like about being an actuary? Monique, I'm going to let you go first, please. Okay. You know, there are several things that I love about this profession. Uh, Most importantly, I think because I like math, I like challenges, and I like to figure things out and to solve problems. And I think in this profession, we get the ability to do that quite often in our day-to-day jobs. The stress level, I think, for the majority, I won't say all the time it's stress-free, but for the majority of the time, we can manage our workload enough so that it's not very stressful. The people we work with are great. Part of the actuarial career, which I think makes it so appealing to those that are interested in the field, is that your progress throughout the career for your first couple of years in your corporate environment, it's kind of laid out for you. So there are a series of exams that you have to take. And as you progress through those exams, you get promoted at certain times. And so A lot of your mobility throughout your career in the early years are based on what you do in terms of how well you study, how many exams you pass, and so you're really responsible for your growth throughout in the early stages of your career. And I think the better you do at progressing through the exams is the further you'll get along in the career, and I think that definitely is something I loved about the profession. So you talked about a couple of the things. You talked about the fact that the actuarial field meant that you got to continue to enjoy your math. It challenges you. It allows you to figure things out. It also allows you to be really responsible for your career in the beginning because it's a matter of meeting, would you say, well-documented steps in terms of your progression? Yeah. I have most of my experience in an insurance company, so it's kind of hard to talk about other companies, but it's well-defined, and I think you said it correctly, it's well-defined as to what level you get in your career at what point in time. So 
based on the number of exams you've passed, this is the level you will be. If you pass these other exams, this is where you'll be, et cetera, along with the amount you get in your raise or your promotion and your salary. So that's all laid out for you, and you're in charge of that. So I'm going to ask you another question, Jamala. We talked about this inside of insurance because that's what I'm familiar with. Are there other areas that actuaries work in other than inside of insurance companies? They are. And my first job out of college was actually not at an insurance company. I had worked for a financial services company, Ernst Young, in New York City. In that role, there are two aspects of it. There's a consulting aspect as well as the auditing aspect. Ernst Young is known for, you know, providing audit support. And for an insurance company, the company auditing an insurance company is required to have actuaries to audit the reserves and actuarial balances that the company has in their that the insurance company has in their balance sheet. On the flip side, insurance companies and other entities may also hire consultants either to provide services to help them get through a process and also to provide thought leadership. The thought leadership aspect was another thing that I saw in a consulting environment where we try to get in front of issues facing the industry and the financial environment in general and you know, do white papers on them. For example, situation where in the next 10 or so years, we're going to be seeing a lot of baby boomers retiring. How can financial services get in front of that issues? What are the opportunities for actuaries, both in insurance companies and outside insurance companies, in health insurance and government? What are the opportunities that are available for actuaries to be looking into the issues and getting in front of them and providing solutions for the general population? So, for example, like health care reform, looking into the health insurance products that potentially be provided either by the government or by private insurers, they would be actuaries who work within the government to be looking into and making recommendations on things like that, on health care reform, for example. Okay. Well, it's much broader than my exposure to it has been because what I heard you say was that it's partly about consulting, it's about providing thought leadership, often on new and emerging ideas that are coming out. In financial services, certainly one of the concerns that we have is baby boomers retiring. And I love the idea that actuaries are part of the conversation in terms of putting together white papers as well as offering thought leadership in terms of insurance companies, how is the government are going to deal with these emerging issues. I think that's very important to outline, and I appreciate you bringing that to the forefront. I didn't ask you, Jamala, so let me go back and ask you, what do you like about being an um, actuary? I think Monique said it really well and covered a lot of things. I won't repeat what she said, but I definitely agree with everything that she did say. From a different perspective, she briefly talked about the challenge, and that's something that's really important to me, to continue to be challenged. And I feel that every day I go to work, there is a challenge. I don't get to the point where I'm overwhelmed and stressed too often. There's a good balance of that. But I really enjoy that there's always a lot of challenging things to do. And also the aspect like we were talking about just now, that with real issues, we can take the math that we love to do in the classroom setting and apply it to real-world situations where we can be working on solutions that are helping people, retirement and health care, in financial planning, and those aspects of their lives. Okay. Well, thank you. 
So if someone was interested in becoming an actuary, is there a suggested path? Is there a career path that they need to do? Do they need to major in actuarial sciences in college? Could you speak to that, Monique, please? All right. You know, a lot of people think that to be an actuary, you have to major in math, you have to major in actuarial science or something financial. But funny enough, you don't even, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but you really don't even need a college degree. To become an actuary, you need to become a fellow in the Society of Actuaries to be designated. And so as long as you can take and pass the actuarial exams that are administered by the Society of Actuaries in in the United States, then you can practice as an actuary. And Jamala, please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I would think the uh, preferred route for you to take, because it is so math-intensive, is to major, I guess, a math degree or take a lot of math classes while you're in college and finance classes, economics classes. And definitely, if there's an actuarial science major, to do that. Because one of the benefits of being in the profession, I think, an early, earlier on, is to have as many actuarial exams as you can. And so being in a college where they have an actuarial science program, if you can get maybe, I would say, three or four exams out of the way while you're in college, you would be at a, a big advantage over a lot of your other, let's say, your competition coming right out of college. So... If I were to say that you definitely know you want to be an actuary, I would say major in actuarial science or math and economics or some other business degree and definitely take some of the actuarial exams while you're in college. However, if you're not in college and you're still interested and you did not major in math, a lot of it you can study on your own and still pass the exam. Okay. So, Jamal, Monique just mentioned take as many of the exams as possible when you're in college, and she mentioned some are between three and four. So how many exams are there? The the path towards your actual designation is a combination of exams and self-study modules, more like case study okay. format. So you can say in total there are probably eight to nine pieces that you have to pass to become an actuary. Is it kind of like being in a lawyer where you can work in the industry before you've completed passing all the exams? That is correct. A lot of people, generally, most companies require to start an entry-level job that you have at least one or two exams. And as you're working, most companies would provide you study time and study materials to do the exams as you're working. So you get on-the-job support while you're working. And the good thing about the exams, generally, is that as you're going through them, the work that you're doing on the job aligns with the material that you're studying. So as you're studying, you can see you know, the light bulb starts to go off for students a lot when they start to understand what they're doing on the job because it's aligning with the material that they're studying for the exams. I think that's a key point because so often it seems that, you know, I hear the complaint that why am I studying this because it doesn't have any application to what I want to do to the career that I'm interested in. And it sounds like, from what you just said, Jamala, is that actuary is very different from that and what you're studying has real-world application to what you're doing in your career and your growth. Yeah, overall the theory that you're learning in the exams is very applicable and it's things that you would be applying on the job. One of the things that the Society of Actuaries did a few years ago when they reformed the exam process, a few of the exams were probability and very theoretical. They moved some of those where you can get, if you go to an accredited university, 
you can get credit for those from the courses that you take in school. So that's another aspect of it. Like some universities have courses that align very well with the exams, for example, economics and financial mathematics. Most universities have courses like that that align really well with the exams that you can be taking and passing those exams while you're in school, which sets you up for getting an internship and a good entry-level job once you graduate. All right, perfect. So, Jamal, I know that you graduated from the University of Waterloo in Ontario, Canada, and Ms. Hacker, you graduated from Binghamton University. I'm wondering, are those schools that are known for actuarial sciences, or is it just happened that those where you went, I mean, did you go and select those schools because they had the actual sciences courses that you were interested in, or something other than that? The University of Waterloo, this is Jamala, the University of Waterloo, where I went to school, has a very strong reputation for actuarial science. The program's been around for a long time. It's probably one of the older programs in North America for actuarial science, and one of the only universities in North America that actually has a faculty of mathematics versus a department of mathematics within the faculty of science or arts. So it's a very strong math-based school. Also, a lot of the professors wrote the textbooks that you often study, so from that perspective, that's the reason that I picked the university, because of the strong actuarial science program. At the time when I was making my decision about where to go to school, there weren't a lot of schools that had actuarial science programs or majors or concentrations, and now there are a lot of schools that do. I think in academia, they're becoming more aware of the profession, and a lot of schools have a program. I think these days it's probably easier for a student to stumble across actuarial science or have the school that they want to go to and it turns out that the school does have a program. All right. So what sorts of things do you actually do as an actuary? I think I had a misconception about what it is that actuaries did. So, Monique, could you speak to that? Okay. I think a lot of people still will not know what an actuary does after I speak, but (laughs) I know part of what was very challenging for me was I a lot of people that are interested in, in doing actuarial science or being in the actuarial profession, we encourage them to get internships. And that's okay. a better way for you to learn about what an actuary actually does. But for me, I did not have an internship. And so even when I got recruited for my first entry-level position, I had no idea what an actuary did until I got on the job and actually started doing actuarial work. But with that said, for my current role, it's a lot of analysis. What I'm doing, what I'm, my current project is to develop a product and price it, meaning, and I, I'll use a simple example, we all have auto insurance, or if we're off age, we have auto insurance. Now, a lot of people don't really think about the premium that they're paying, but somebody is in the back office calculating how much premium that person pays based on their age, their location where they live, maybe the type of car they drive, how many accidents they've been involved in, what is the likelihood of them being in an accident. And so that's really kind of like a simple example that everyone can relate to. I do that for life insurance. So we are coming up with life insurance products. We work a lot with the marketing department, with our underwriting group. We work a lot with our systems or IT department to come up with a product that we can sell to our policyholders, one that they can afford so we have to make sure our premiums are profitable. We have to make sure we comply with the regulations 
and we have to make sure that our company will be solvent, meaning the prices we are charging our policyholders are not only affordable to the policyholders, but our company will be profitable with these prices as well. We definitely have to balance a lot. There are a lot of variables that go into us pricing or developing a product to sell to our customers. And so it's kind of, it's difficult for me to explain that in a podcast or (laughs) I guess a couple minutes, but pretty much I use a lot of Excel. I do a lot of analysis. I look at what has happened in the past and try to predict what I think will happen in the future. And it's very exciting. I don't know if that helps, but... (laughs) No, I think that the way that you described the pricing that kind of goes into your auto insurance gives people a really good perspective on it's multifaceted. There's a lot of things that kind of go into it in terms of determining, you know, I imagine it would include things like the person's health, the person's age, is it going to be profitable to the company? All those sorts of things are factors that go into it, and the actuary is the person who kind of runs the analysis. Is that correct? That helps them come up with this is the number that we're going to charge for this premium for this type of customer. Right. And just to put that in perspective, that is just the project I'm working on right now. We are involved in a lot of things. We, We do a lot in terms of making sure the company is operating smoothly. We forecast what's going to happen. We do a lot of asset and liability matching and balancing. We determine reserves. So there are just so many things that an actuary does. A lot of actuaries in my organization are in senior management positions, so they're making day-to-day decisions that will affect the overall organization. So there are lots of things that actuaries do that I just can't really talk about it in, in such a short time. But there's lots of resources for people to find out more about the different types of projects that actuaries work on, but currently this is the one product, the project I'm currently working on is to price and develop a product. Well, I think Jamala spelled it out when she was talking about it's partly a thought leadership. It's not just thought leadership out in the world, but it's also thought leadership inside your company in terms of what do we got to do to prepare our company to basically whether not just what we know is coming, but also add into it the element of what we don't know. And I guess I think about the storms that we've been having these last couple of years. Who would have thought? And I imagine that there was an actuary frantically figuring away when we just had storm after storm after storm after storm, and not just storms, but major storms that really changed a lot of people's lives. Absolutely. And the same with the low interest rate environment, the current economic environment, that's also a factor. So there are lots of things. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, Jamala, let me ask you, we've kind of touched upon it in terms of, I asked specific questions about where you went to college and the major that you had when you were in college. Besides mathematics and actuarial science, Are there any other interests or majors that you would expect a prospective employee to come into the industry with? It's got to be somebody who loves math and loves applied math, but have you met somebody who's come from a completely different industry, or do you tend to find that they're finance majors, they're accounting majors, they're any particular type of majors that might do well as an actuary? 
Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because I have this ongoing joke with my current manager because she was a music major in college. Okay. She also majored, yeah, she was a music math major. You know, people kind of say music and math go together. It's the same kind of part of your brain that drives it too. But generally, most people that you meet that are actuaries do have a mathematics background in their undergraduate degree or at least their graduate degree. And it's not just math or actual science, but um, I actually have a double major in actual science and statistics. So that statistical background is also really helpful in the profession. But you see people come through with a finance background and economics. Sometimes I think that, you know, maybe it's good to potentially have a broader background where you do have that good math foundation, but maybe a finance major would be a good major to have just because it gives you a broader perspective of the entire financial view and not just the specific mathematical aspects, but understanding income statements and balance sheets and the things that drive them are very important things that are important in your role as an actuary that people may overlook. Also, economics, understanding the shape of the interest rate curve and how that affects things, short-term rates versus long-term rates and movements in rates. That's something that's very pertinent right now in this environment. Something like financial engineering, which I think is a new major that's emerging at some schools that's almost a balance of the finance and the mathematics and the business aspects of it. I think those majors would put you in good stead to be a successful actuary. But in general, it's pretty traditional mathematical majors, the majors that you might expect someone to have. But then again, there's always a situation where somebody is a music major and is very successful (laughs) as an actuary. Absolutely. I think that oftentimes it's about having the background and having confidence. I mean, there are people who are in the music industry who really kind of think of themselves as musicians and don't really even would back away from the thought that music and math are related. But I know a lot of people who are in math-like fields, engineering, for instance, who are very musical. So I think that there's also the element of confidence in your math abilities. And I'm having that conversation because I have a daughter who is in fifth grade, and she's starting to have that conversation that children will have, especially girls, that math is hard. And I'm trying to interrupt that because her father is an engineer and my background is, you know, 10 years as an accountant and another 18 as a financial planner. So I go, we're people who are good with math. So let's do whatever we need to do today in order to interrupt that conversation so you go into life with the possibility of being anything that has to do with math, not back away from it. I completely agree. You have a lot of situation where people are afraid of mathematics, either you know, coming out of elementary school and going into high school, they're afraid of the concepts. But I think exposing people to careers like being an actuary, I think puts it in perspective that they are real-world applications for math other than just balancing your checkbook. Absolutely. So let me ask you what, another question, Jamala, in terms of I didn't realize until I started to research and look for somebody to interview for this particular podcast that there's certification in actuaries. I know that there are exams that you have to take. Could you tell me a little bit more about the exams that you would take, how long it would take you, and what the certification, if you will, does for you? Like Monique was saying before, I think probably in general most people will graduate from university with one or two exams. The exam structure It's probably set up that you can probably take two exams a year. They're offered in the spring and in the fall in general. I think the average path 
to your fellowship, which is the FSA, which stands for a fellow in the, in the Society of Actuaries, is probably five to eight years right now. And as Monique was saying, as you're taking the exams, you're getting support on the job, and you're also learning and doing things in your job that relate to the material that you're studying. And you're also progressing potentially and getting promotions and moving up in the company. So that by the time you get your fellowship in five to eight years, that you're very likely to be set up in a position to take on a managerial role at that point. So it's not something that happens in terms of tomorrow for those students who are interested in instant gratification, but it has a very developed career progression. And after six to eight years, you could be complete. And then do you take a test, a final test, to become an FSA? Or once you've completed all the courses, you are now an FSA? You are right. It's definitely not for the person who is looking for instant gratification. <laughs> you do get some gratification along the process as you pass the exams and as you're progressing in your career as well, but it's it's definitely not instant. And it's something that if you want to do, it's a big commitment that you're making in terms of the time that it takes to pass the exams. But in terms of actually getting the fellowship designation, once you've passed all the exams, there is a course that you take. It's, I think it's a three- or four-day course called the Fellowship Admissions Course. You're dealing with issues like professionalism, and you're going through things like that. But you can pretty much say that once you've met all the exam requirements, that you get the designation at that point. Okay, great. So, Monique, you currently serve as the Vice President of the International Association of Black Actuaries. And in that role, you worked on the Mentorship Committee. If somebody was looking for additional information about the actual profession, what is it that your organization can offer them or what other organizations out there might they get some additional information about the actuarial profession? Yeah, one of my main roles as the vice president is to plan the annual meeting that we have. We're having our 19th annual meeting this year in Atlanta, Georgia. And at the annual meeting, you can definitely meet a lot more actuaries, but primarily black actuaries, and learn about their experiences and how they've gotten to where they are. You can definitely get a lot of advice as to how to study for exams or how to just progress through the profession. Our organization has, like you mentioned, a mentoring committee or a mentorship program, and Jamala actually spearheads and leads that committee and where we match anyone that requests a mentor. We match them with a mentor that we feel is appropriate for them, but we also have a lot of resources on the website where they can also just log on to blackactuaries.org and learn a lot more about the profession and about our organization. And other organizations that I think are good resources are the Society of Actuaries. It's soa.org, as well as be an actuary. I think that's beanactuary.org, and it's B-E-A-N-A-C-T-U-A-R-Y.org. And there are lots of others. I would just say Google actuary or actuarial profession, and tons of things would come up. But our organization also offers scholarships to students, so anyone can apply as long as they're of African descent. And so but we have lots of things to offer anyone who's interested in being an actuary. Perfect. Sounds like your organization has got a lot of components. Jamala, can you just kind of speak to, you know, one of the final questions that I always ask is, why do you think that being an actuary is on the list of the top 100 careers for the next decade? 
I'll try to maybe talk about it from two perspectives. From a personal perspective, Monique had alluded to it before, the compensation is great. The potential for compensation is great. As you're going through the exam process and passing the exams and getting promotions, there's a salary increase that goes along with that. You can have an expectation of where your salary is going to be by the time you, you get your fellowship, and it's a really good number to be at. Okay. Also, it's a low-stress job. I think that's generally one of the things that actually I say the job is not that stressful. However, when you go through situations like financial crises and you're working through issues like that and trying to keep your company above water and you know that type of stuff, you know those are pretty stressful situations to be in. Also, I think actuaries show up in a lot of prominent places that people may not be aware. For example, there are several insurance companies where the CFO is an actuary and also the president of the business is an actuary. That's the case at my company. So when you see people that are actually running the companies having those designations, you can kind of see that it's something that I think the industry is moving towards in terms of their leadership. So it's probably a profession that's going to be very sought after in the future. From the perspective of what we can do for the community. You know, we're not doctors, so we're not saving lives from that perspective. But on the other hand, we're doing things and involved in situations that are helping people while they're living, either through providing the types of products that they need to make sure that they have an income through retirement, helping to provide products for health insurance, or to provide products like the long-term care insurance, you know, to help people as they get older and need care. So you kind of see the aspect of being able to give back and being able to help people as well when you're an actuary. Excellent. So those are not things that I would normally think about in terms of an actuary, but thank you for bringing those to the attention. It's just like they really are helping people have the products that they need to help them through retirement. We all know that that is creeping up on all of us much faster than it did when we were younger. And I like the element that you can also give back. Now, Monique, is there anything that you would add to her comments about why you think that being an actuary is on the list of the top 100 careers for the next decade? I think Jamala did an excellent job in covering what the the advantages are of being an actuary. And I think what has kept me actually happy in my profession Definitely the people that I work with, I think it's really a lot of people don't really understand how the lack of stress involved compared to as compared to other professions really allow the people you work with to be a lot more pleasant. And they're just like a group of people that are really great to work with. And I think, you know, it makes your day-to-day so much easier. And it's something that I look forward to coming to work. A lot of my friends from college, they've had multiple jobs. They constantly complain about their work. And I think I'm one of maybe very, very few if not one of two, to say, you know, I really love my job. And I've been saying that for over 10 years now, and I continue to say that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the people. I mean, the work is there. You have to love your work, but you also have to love the people you work with. And I think a lot of actuaries are just wonderful people, and I think that's really a big part of why it's made that list. So what I heard you both say is it's partly about the compensation and the way that it's structured in your industry, but it's also about the fact that it's low stress. It allows you to give back 
to the community and to yourself and allows you to then have a life outside of work where you can enjoy different things. Jamala talks about the fact that she enjoys sports like tennis, softball, and football. I know that some of my friends who went the auditing route with their love of mathematics, they can't necessarily say that, especially when they're out on engagements that are taking them away from their home. So I think that that's a really, really important factor to kind of consider if you're thinking about the actuarial profession, is it gives you time to enjoy your colleagues as well as enjoy your life outside of work. Is there anything that either one of you would like to add as a final thought? This is Jamala. I guess I would say I would encourage someone who's you know good at math or interested based on what we've talked about today not to be discouraged by the length of the process going from the length of the exam process but to consider the benefits as well because any decision you make any job that you take there are trade-offs and benefits and there are things that you need to do to be successful and this profession there's a very clear step that you have to take to be successful and to become an actuary which I think may make it a little bit easier than other careers, but definitely not to be discouraged by the exam process. And definitely visit the websites that Monique talked about, soa.org, beanactuary.org, and blackactuaries.org. Those are all great websites with lots of great information on becoming an actuary and great resources for getting in touch with people who can help you. Monique, do you have anything that you'd like to add as a final thought? I just want to say I've never regretted my decision. I've cried a lot because I've failed some exams, but like Damali's saying, it's really worth it at the end. I mean, once you're done with all the exams, there's no pain, no gain. You know, as long as you stay committed to the profession and pass the exams, and you will realize that it's well worth it. And, and this is a great profession to be in. I would, like Jamala said, I would stick with it. Don't be discouraged. Exams are hard but it's worth it in the end. It is the number one profession in America. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I think this has been a great interview. One of the things that I really enjoy about this particular podcast series, from my perspective, is it seems like I just keep interviewing people who love what they do. I don't care what the field is. Everybody I know seems to love what they do, and I love hearing that. So for those of you who are listening today, you just heard from Jamala Murray and Monique Hacker, who were sharing a little bit about the actuarial career. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at www.collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our podcasts. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen in for free with guests like Monique and Jamala, who have valuable information to share. Monique and Jamala, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and telling us a little bit more about how you each became a actuary and a little bit more about the career. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank all of my listeners for joining us today, and I hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, 
five strategies that parents need to start using today to cut their college costs tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.